What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today for a Cage Warriors 163 preview by... I'm going to start calling you my Cage Warriors preview co-host, Brad Martin here. The, 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 you come on so often, Brad, you do me, uh, you do me a, a great service of coming on to talk about these cards because they are very good cards and there's another one coming up here with the welterweight title in the main event. Down in London. I've been called uh, I've been called a lot of things over the years, Sean, and many of them much worse than that. So Cage Warriors preview co-host, I'll, I'll gladly take that it, one. It's, it's not a bad one. Like, it's not a bad one. Come here, there's one thing I want to talk about before we get into this, because I, I, always, I always feel like I go through the, the Sherdog pages of all these fighters, and I, I kind of notice something. And do you know what I noticed for this one? The, so over the last few years, obviously, the European scene has become, like, full like we've had PFL Europe and Octagon and obviously Cage Warriors have been there all along KSW have been there all along and I think at a time a lot of people maybe who are kind of Cage Warriors fans got a little bit worried oh god they're going to take the fighters and all like that but I've noticed there's a lot of fighters on this card who've actually fought in KSW fought in Octagon fought in other places and it feels like there's more opportunities for everyone and there's also more opportunities for Ian Dean and Graham Boylan and others to actually sign those fighters that have proven themselves in other organizations and either give them a second chance there or, you know, maybe to have a disagreement with the other organization or left the other organization, whatever it might be, and sign them up to fight in Cage Wars or are a Cage Wars fighter going to Octagon or whatever it might be. And do you know what? That is... That is something at the top level of MMA in terms of like the UFC for years we never had at the, you know, the domestic levels of, uh, of MMA, even at the like the, the domestic, domestic levels of MMA. You, you know, if you got signed to a, uh, you know, a cage legacy here in Ireland or, or an FCC maybe in, in the UK or whatever it might be, you were damn glad of it and there was no other options. But it feels like there's options, options, options all over the place now, especially in Europe. And I think the worry that people had maybe for that effect in their favorite motion. Uh, I thought at the time it was it was warranted, but it feels like it's almost unfounded now because it's turned out to be better that more fighters have gotten more opportunities and more promotions. Is that something? Obviously, you you like myself coming into these previews, we study these fighters, and you think, oh, where's this guy fought? And you look at him, and he's fought in all these different promotions, and you see that experience, and now you have more experienced fighters <coughs> being able to test the up and coming fighters as well. It's not but a good thing, really, is it? Yeah, I think, look, you know, obviously I, I have a very strong personal bias towards uh, cage warriors, but I, I think if you, you know, if you take a step back and you look at things for the good of the sport and the good of fighters uh, as a whole, uh, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, Graham said this to um, to the guys on the old triangle recently, you know, you know having those options for fighters is good. You know, um, I think Graham was talking about, uh, you know, Bellator possibly, you know, not existing. And, you know, it's one place out of the marketplace for the fighters to to test their worth, test their skills, uh, achieve whatever it is uh, they want to achieve in the sport. So, you know, having plenty of organizations around, yeah, it makes it difficult in some respects because there's more competition for ticket money. There's more competition for athletes. There's more competition for uh, space in the media. But, you know, competition um, always brings the best out of people, I find. Um, and I think it's that old adage of a, a rising tide raises all ships, right? Because you've got this very healthy European, uh, UK European scene at the moment. 
and people want to come from Scandinavia and fight over here. You know, where, where there are, they already have good shows at home. They maybe want to go to a different country and test the metal and, and get that opportunity, whether they're looking for, uh, you know, the exposure on UFC Fight Pass, whether they're looking, uh, you know, to fight in a big stadium in Poland somewhere, whether they're looking, you know, to make a lot of money in a short space of time. Whatever you want to do, however you want your career to play out, there's plenty of options for you. And that's, like you say, only a good thing. Yeah, and not only Scandinavian fighters, but obviously you've seen a lot of French fighters, a lot of Italian fighters especially come to cage wires and maybe, you know, a lot of the Eastern European fighters as well have, you know, good careers in cage wires maybe after they, they're in KSW places like that as well. So it's it's, it's brilliant to see and it's brilliant to see the, the opportunities, you know, being, uh, being spread around all parts of, of Europe, I suppose, and it can be nothing but good for the fighters and for the promotions as well and, and for the fans. Um Let's get into this card, Brad, because it's very interesting. We spoke last time about uh, obviously the, the the kind of the turnover in titles at the moment. With uh, you know most of the champions getting signed to the UFC in the last year or so, and we have the welterweight title up for grabs here in the main event: Emil Brown versus Janice Bashar. Uh, Jesus, I, I, obviously I've seen a lot of O'Meal Brown over the years and I, I, you know that he's one of my, my absolute favourites. Uh, I hadn't seen a whole lot of Janice Bashar, but what I did see was uh, was very impressive uh, to me. Maybe I'll speak about that in a second, Brad, but for the welterweight title, it's been a prestigious title down through the years for Cage or hasn't it? And for a guy like O'Meal Brown who's been there, you know, he's had his setbacks, but he's bounced back every time and looked really, really good. Look, he's looked good even in losses, but he's looked good coming back from the losses as well. It's good to have someone like this in the in this spot, isn't it? This is what Cage Warriors is about, a guy who's been there since day one, built his way back up, been built by Graham Boylan and Ian Dean to get to this spot, and now it's a big opportunity for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, this is a guy who's been fighting for a long time. I think, you know, he was having amateur fights back in, uh, in 2015 as a very young man, uh, fought some absolute killers. You know, I think he fought Fabian Edwards in one of his first amateur fights. And obviously they, they're now part of the, the same sort of training umbrella. Um, you know, so he's a, he's a young veteran. If, if you want to put it like that, he's been in the game a good few years now. Uh, he's had some good fights on cage warriors, some, some good tests, um, you know, there's been the, the odd stumble along the way, which is what you would expect when you, you're fighting such a high uh, caliber of opponent. Uh, but he's come, th- he's come through most of the tests with flying colors. And what, I think when you're a guy like O'Meal, who, you know, look, let's be honest, he puts on the kind of fight the fans want to see. Because from second number one, whether he's getting out-wrestled for 15 minutes, there's always that risk that he's going to flatline someone. There's always that risk, that one big uppercut or that big right hook or the big left overhand lands and someone's going to sleep. So there's always that danger. There's always that reason to keep watching, to still be interested. You know, it, re- it reminds me back in the day of, of, you know, watching a guy like Chuck Liddell, you know, even when he was in this decline, you're still wondering, does he land that big bomb and someone goes to sleep? And that's like, that's the question that I'm always asking myself with O'Meal Brown, win or lose. You just don't know where it's going to come from, when it's going to happen, uh, and who it's going to happen to. And that's what we saw with Jesse Holland last time, you know, uncorked. I mean, I wanted to say it was a surefire Cage Warriors KO of the Year contender, but the past couple of weeks have been pretty insane on that front. So he's got some competition there. But he, I reckon it's going to be on the short list at least. Uh, and look, if he can land that punch, there's, there are very few men alive um, that, that are going to be able to take that on the chin and keep coming. Who was that? Who was that knockout last week? I was I, I, I was actually away and I didn't see it, but I had about six people send me that knockout that happened in the the uh, the I mean, guard last you week. You can take your pick. There was a few, but I, th- I think the one you're referring to is the Barry Sadiguzel one. 
um, where the guy came forward and just got starched um, and stiffened up. Insane. That was scary. Uh, never mind cage wires. He's, he's all good, thankfully, but <laughs> scary moment. Insane. Never mind cage wires knock out of the year. That could be knock out of the year. Full stop. It was absolutely insane. But yeah, as you said, with Emil Brown, that's always there for him. But one thing, watching back a few of his fights, and I watch a few of his fights from, obviously, you know, he's only, what, eight fights into his career, but I watch a few of his early day fights, bit of the James Sheehan fights, and then like that that your Holland fight not not just the fight itself but beating your Holland like I thought your Holland was a surefire cage wires welterweight champion once he obviously in Gary went away and the, the belt was going to be up on the line honestly I thought he was going to win the title and just go to the UFC I thought it was going to be straightforward enough O'Meal Brown had other ideas and that tells you how good he is there but one thing the, the, the big thing I noticed how good defensively O'Meal Brown is it's all well and good you know to look at the offensive part of it but I feel like on the feet, the way he covers up, the way he blocks shots is just really good. But he's very good defensively on the ground as well. You know, you know, you kind of alluded to it there. He has been wrestled in fights. When you're as good a striker as he is, you are going to be wrestled in fights, you know. But he is very good in the transitions, very strong as well, but very good defensively uh, on the ground, you know, and on the feet. Saupa, boxer, very tough. He's just... He's just for a guy only eight fights into his career, Brad, and we see there's a lot of experienced guys on this card, and we, we'll talk about him, but he fights like a guy who has more than eight fights, doesn't he? Well, he fights like a guy who's training at Renegade, and yeah. you, you know what I mean? There's, you know, I don't want to blow smoke anywhere, but there, there's no easy rounds on that mat, you know, and if you're not, um, if you're turning up and you're going to try and half ass it, or you're going to not try and pull your weight, you're going to have a miserable day time after time after time. You know, when when you've got the likes of Leon Edwards in there, when you've got the likes of Fabian Edwards in there, and you know Tom Tom Brees, and just all those guys that you, that umbrella of guys in the Midlands who've all sort of come together, they've got a great coaching team, a great support network, and just so many elite fighters. I mean, how many times, Sean, over the years have we seen gyms have maybe? four or five elite level guys in and then everyone else just gets better from the the amateurs that are starting out to the novice pros it just helps everyone we've, we've seen it countless times you know it's all right having like one star in the gym that's all well and good and that can work sometimes but when you've got a few guys all coming up together all at that high level it's a trickle down effect for everyone else because they're getting those great rounds with legitimately great fighters and i think emil brown has benefited immensely from that and i think five years down the line we'll be talking about more guys saying, oh, they get to train with Emil Brown every day. And like the fundamentals of guys like that, even a guy said like Jai Herbert who came through the same way, every time you see him fight, like he has a chance because of those fundamentals, because of what he's been through, because of the path he's taken. And, you know, you could name, as you said, four or five guys like that. It's, it, it, it is a brilliant place to be. His opponent on the weekend is, is tough. Bashar. Like, I, I watch him, I would describe him as a reactive fighter. I think he kind of reacts to everything. He has this forward motion and the high hands. And sometimes that might fool people a little bit into thinking, oh, he's just like this, this juggernaut going forward. And he is to a certain extent, but he's smart with it. He throws that left hook hey, do you know what he throws he throws when something shows itself you know that Pedrosali fight he kind of Pedrosali kept taking him down he kept taking him down and in the end of it he was like Grant do you know I'll play that game with you got on top vicious ground and pound and you could forgive a fighter like that for not having the best cardio in the world but he has really good cardio because he kind of conserves it with his style like, like that kind of that go forward style but he's only thrown stuff that shows itself as I said so 
you know, for a guy who's like jabbing and combos and combos, and, you know, you'd you'd wear yourself out. But he he is, you know, he's not one of those guys. And then when it gets to him being on top, he can absolutely let it go on the ground and have no trouble over the cardio. With that said as well, he can obviously fight on the feet. I'll mention that left hook again. It's a lovely shot in the right hand down through the middle. It very much feels like this will be a stand-up fight. Now, you never know who someone might throw in a, a takedown in there, but it very much feels like that to me. And I I've, I always wonder with younger fighters like Emil Brown and, you know, uh, Bashar's only had two fights more than him, so it's not like it's, it's a massive difference or anything like that. But... We see guys struggle with pressure all the time in mixed martial arts. Even, you know, McGregor later on in his career said that he struggled with it. Um, and I wonder, will that pressure and the ability to land shots accurately from the pressure, um, you know, will it be trouble for Emil Brown now? As you said there, look where he's training. You know, he's from very, very good guys to prepare for with that. But I think it's a very interesting test for him. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we'll see how it goes, I suppose. But... Brad, from the Bashar point of view, beating a guy like Carlo Pedrosali, similar to, to your Holland, shows the level he's at. And this is a very good test for him. This is by no means O'Meal Brown just being anointed the welterweight champion, is it? This is a real tough fight. Absolutely. You know, you know, one of the things that really impressed me about Yanis uh, Bachar, who's someone I hadn't really seen uh, anything of before he fought Pedersoli, uh, what you got to remember about that fight is that he was coming in off um, nearly a two-year break from competition. So the fact that, um, you know, let's, let's be honest, it turned into quite a scrappy fight. The fact that he was able to, you know, keep his cardio under heavy pressure, under heavy fire like that, and use it, as you said, effectively, you know, so he was still in a position when he got into those good spots in the fight to actually make it count and actually do the damage uh, and, and ultimately close the show. Um, that, to me, was very, very impressive. Uh, you know, he's a slightly older guy than Emil. He's been... Uh, fighting pro a bit longer. He's fought obviously a bit more sporadically. That's that's why they've got similar records. Um, but he's a real tough test. And like you say, like, you know, pressure wise, we already know that Bajar can go into someone else's backyard and beat the hometown favorite. Like Pedasoli Jr. is he's the man over in Rome. Like everyone was there to see him. It was a completely partisan crowd. And Yanis Bachar turned up with two corner men and his girlfriend, and he didn't care. He was uh, he was ready to spoil the show, and I think he's not going to care about coming to London. Um, you know, for Emil, first main event uh, on UFC Fight Pass, big pressure moment for him, fighting for a title in uh, his ninth professional contest. That's a lot of pressure for anyone. That's a lot of pressure for anyone. So, you know, this is this is the uh, it's question time now, right? Does uh, Emil Brown rise to the occasion? Does the veteran uh, use that veteran savvy to get the better of him, or, or can Emil Brown land that power shot that does what we know it does? And and that's that's the jeopardy going into this one for me. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. A hundred percent. People are always asking me for my pick, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick him, Emil Brown. I I think it's. Honestly, I think it's going to be... A you were always going to take Emil Brown, weren't you? I know you're an Emil Brown fan. <laughs> I was actually thinking this morning, geez, people are very biased now in their views. I'm like, oh, Emil Brown, the biggest fan of all. Like, yeah, yeah. I know, I'd have to pick Emil Brown. I just... I love that style, but honestly, I, I love Giannis' style as well. So, you know, it's it, it's it's just a good fight. I'm looking forward to it. Another fight I'm looking forward to in the Coleman event, uh, Darren Stewart uh, against uh, Adilson Franca. I was kind of shocked yesterday when I was looking up the fights and I see Darren Stewart won his last three fights in a row. That, I'm like, how, how did that happen? Like, where's that effort coming from? And then the the way he's won those fights, 
is true pure veteran savvy. Like, and like so much that he must be on the verge of a title shot right now. You know, he's become a way more intelligent, smart fighter. He bides his time, has thrown in a lot more takedowns, times everything well, gets behind the jab. He's just, he's like that old, you know, in any sport you see him, that old experienced head, you know, even in Matt Bonner late in the fight, Bonner was coming on hard and he gets that takedown, you know, not, not, not a takedown to win the round or anything like that, but a takedown to just save the fight. You might be, you know, the cardio might be an issue with that when you put on such a high pace, get that, you win the fight. It, it's almost amazing. Like it, it felt like Darren Stewart, you know, with, with all due respect to him, at He's only 32 years of age, but he's had a long career. And, you know, when he came and he lost to Mick Stanton after uh, a, a really, you know, good stint in, in, in the UFC in terms of, what it was, he three or four years in the UFC, it, it, to me it felt like, oh, you know, this might be the beginning of the end for Darren Stewart, but by God, it hasn't been. It's it's great for Darren, great for Cajor as well that he's coming back and, and making a run again, Brad, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you could really see the frustration on his face when, you know, he lost that comeback fight to Mick Stanton and, you know, he kind of lost it in in the way that people have given him trouble before with, you know, putting him on the bottom and, you know, to see him go away and, you know, not just work on that aspect of his game still, but actually develop that into an aspect of his game. You know, he, he goes in there against Leon Aliou, who's who's known as a big banger, and he takes him down and he out-wrestles him. And as you said, you know, the, the fight IQ with the Bonner fight, you know, we've seen Darren Stewart in his younger days. And, you know, if there's ever been a bit of frustration creeping in, he goes back to what he knows, which is, right, I'm going to stand in front of you, I'm going to bang, and one of us is going down. But we saw a more patient, calm, smart, evolved version of Darren Stewart in that Matt Bonner fight. I, I really, really enjoyed that fight. And you know, the, the, the second that I saw it was uh, it was on, on the slate, I, I knew it was going to be uh, an entertaining one. Obviously, I, I've followed both their careers for a very, very long time. So kind of bittersweet in a way because I really like both guys and, and want them both to do well. But I, I was particularly impressed with Darren uh, in that contest, I have to say. Um, look, he's going up against a guy who's very much a kill-or-be-killed guy. And, you know, that's the kind of fight that, that Darren Stewart wants. You know, he wants a bit of danger. He wants a bit of jeopardy. And, you know, we're talking about a, a guy here that's that stopped eight opponents. Definitely very dangerous. Um, I believe this one's going to be a catch weight, so it's going to be slightly above the, the middleweight limit. So n- no big weight cuts to worry about. We're just going to see two guys uh, swanging and or banging, as they say. And you you can't beat that. I, I watched a bit of uh, Franca and... It's, you know what, the, the two things you said there about Darren Stewart is what will get tested here, I suppose, either good or bad. He's very good offensive wrestling, I think Franca has, obviously, which could test Stewart. But I think he's kind of struggles off his back a little bit. He's very hard to take down because he's um, uh, he avoids it well. He doesn't really have to show defensive wrestling, although his defensive wrestling is good, but when you get to him you can take him down and then it's a, you know, he's, he struggles off his back a little bit but he reminds me a little bit of Hector Lombard. He's got this fast twitch hooker that comes at you and he looks like he throws it all out there, but he's more patient than that. He actually conserves it well and he, I, again, he's, he's my type of fighter. I, I like this sort of guy who's smart with the big bombs and throws them a very good uh, criteria fighter I would, I would put I would uh, yes, put it out there even 100% I, I look you can't go around calling yourself 
Self venom, unless you've got a dose in both hands, man. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's I think that, you know, that, are we going to see that sort of tactical Darren Stewart again, where where he's mixing in those takedowns, or is this you know we're going to see a nice brawl in London in front of his hometown fans? I think it's, if it's the latter, you know, it's time to roll a dice. Uh, and if it's the former, I, I think Darren's going to be a big problem for this guy. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward. I, I'm going to pick Franca. I'm going to I'm going to go for him. I just think, I think he might be able to get them with that power. So there, there's my pick on uh, on that one. Uh, I know. I I'm going to guess this is the next fight is the fight you're most looking forward to, Brad. Sean De Silva. Yes, against sir. Gerardo Fanny. Oh God, watch it, Silva. There isn't that much tape on him because he's such a vicious striker. Uh, uh, my 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 initial notes were big hair, fearless striker, and that's what you need to know about Sean De Silva. You know, we all seen that big flying knee at this stage, the vicious combos. You know, for Harada Fanny, it's the the switch stance, Muay Thai, very good takedown defense, very powerful for his size, very good in the clinch and all of that. I don't have too much more technical technical analysis than that, apart from the fact that Silva is just going to go out there and do what he does. But this is a different uh, test, you know, for a guy who's only five fights into his career, who's fighting Gerardo Fanny now. That is a massive step up, and uh, I can't wait to see it because he looks so talented. This this is this is one we could talk about for an hour, Brad. I can't wait for it. This is a fight that does not require technical analysis. No one wants to hear the technical analysis of it. It's just going to be fun, right? It has to be. You, you know, I mean, look, if they fought 100 times, maybe one of them will be dull and boring, but it probably because, I don't know, someone slips over and inches themselves or something. I don't understand how it, there's a universe that exists where this isn't going to be an entertaining scrap. Um, look, John De Silva the, uh, has the less experience of the two. The fact that Ian Dean's matched him with Gerardo at this stage in his career should tell you everything you need to know about Sean, about how highly regarded he is, about his level of ability. You know, Ian's not about putting guys in matches that, um, you know, are going to derail them and, and, and they're not, you know, going to be a competent opponent. Um, Sean is incredibly fast. He's incredibly slick. Like he's got good grappling too. We just didn't really get to see it um, last time out. Uh, and as we know, he can he can finish fights. So he doesn't necessarily look as powerful as a guy like Gerardo. Like you know, Gerardo is obviously he's fighting at bantamweight sometimes as well. He cuts a lot of weight to make one twenty five, and he really does take that power with him. As as we've seen, you know, he's got the um, he's got the old death touch. Uh, look, the way people have have got past him previously is is to take him down i don't think we're going to see that from sean i think this is going to be a real uh speed versus power fight speed versus technique fight i think sean is going to put all those dancing skills that we also know he has to good use he's going to be on his toes he's going to be doing laps of that cage around uh, gerardo getting in sticking the jab getting a combination off and of course gerardo is going to want to either either land the big overhand or he's going to want to get a hold of him and smash those knees up to the body smash those knees up to the head and fingers crossed not to the head when his opponent is on the ground because obviously we have seen that from him before he gets a little bit overexcited sometimes we don't want to see it again um look i'd be obviously we all love to see a big crazy knockout which i think there's a lot of potential for on both sides in this one but i would be very happy with 15 minutes of these guys slinging leather and i, and I, I think if you're not Change the channel, my friends. You're watching the wrong sport. 100%. And it's not as if uh, Gerardo's coming off of losses or anything. He's won four of his last five. Won his last two in a row. You know, beat Daniel Pagliaccio last time out. All four of those fights finishes as well. 
This is this is a tough, tough, tough test. Ian Dean's People's done. Of him. <laughs> he's done him no favors here, but that that's what it's all about: getting in there and testing yourself. And uh, I can't wait for this one. Do you know what I also can't wait for the comeback of Matthias Figlak. Um, it's been uh, what have we almost a year now? Almost uh, almost a year to the day. In fact, it, it was the eleventh, twelfth November last year, and it's the eleventh of November this year. Um, Obviously, that fight with Jimmy Wallhead, which was finished very, very early. He's fighting uh, Denilson uh, Neves de Oliveira coming in here, um, who is a, a pretty good fighter. He's a good test, I would say, well-rounded. He's kind of that square, striking uh, stance, very dangerous off his back, good guillotine, good on top. Um, just a well-rounded challenge. I I, t- I think it's almost more a mental thing for Figlak coming back here as it is for anyone, you know. When you get to the interim title, you're probably thinking, okay, I'm going to fight Reese McKee next. Uh, if I beat Reese, there's no doubt about it, I'm going to the UFC. And then you lose to Jimmy Wallhead in two minutes. That must take a lot to come back from. But he's a big brute of a man, brilliant on the ground, throws hard on the feet. He has it all. Like, he's a very good athlete as well. He's seen his brother obviously do it and get to the UFC. It's This is a massive fight for one of the top prospects over the last few years in cage warriors, isn't it, Brad? And it's great to see Matthias make a comeback here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing Matt back in there. You know, he's a fantastic fighter, super entertaining, uh, just like his brother was in his brother's cage warriors run. Um, look, you know, I think that fight against Jimmy Wallhead, I, I think, and this probably sounds really silly to say, but I think it was more a case of Jimmy winning that fight than Matt losing it. I, I don't think there were many people who were going to beat Jimmy on that night. I think, um, you know, there, J- Jimmy had a lot of stuff going on outside the cage. He was very, very close to uh, to pulling out that fight. You know, that that's Jimmy's story to tell, but there was a lot riding on it for him. And, and I just think it was Jimmy's night and there's no shame in that as a guy like Matt still very young still young in his career still got a, a, a huge amount of potential a very very high ceiling um, this is a you know this is a great comeback fight for him after a year on the sidelines he's been able to heal up he's been able to level up and he's going to go and fight a guy who is not there to make up the numbers and a guy who's you know flying halfway across the world to fight him on UFC Fight Pass on the main card looking to steal that thunder he's a guy uh, as you said, you know he's got a Muay Thai background. He's got a BJJ background. He can finish the fights on the floor. Uh, he can finish guys standing. Um, pretty sure as well from my research, there's a few more wins on his record that aren't in various databases as well. So this is a guy who is fighting often. He's fighting regularly. And, and clearly, uh, the fact that he's willing to fly across the world to fight one of the big lab brothers uh, is a man who loves what he does. So I'm expecting fireworks in this one. You know, be very interested to see how Matt comes out. You know, does he... Does he try and tear into this guy? Does he try and get some minutes under his uh, under his belt? Does he try and get a bit of cage time? Um, and my answer to that now is I genuinely don't know. So very looking forward to seeing uh, how Matt looks after this time to improve. Uh, very interested to see how this one plays out and what an upset it would be uh, if things did go the, did go the other way. And you know, I talked about jeopardy earlier on, and you know you can't discount that. There's going to be pressure on Matt. He's got to win this fight. A hundred percent. I think it's one of the most fascinating things in MMA. We all, you know, we can all look at the very top and people winning titles and people coming through to get there and all. But I think that big prospect that gets a setback, like how they bounce back. We like we've seen people before. They have one loss, you know, and they're never seen again. Or they have one loss, they lose their next one. 
and that's it you know and, and it can happen I'm not saying that's going to happen with Figlag I think the opposite of my pick is going to be him to, to win this fight in fact but uh, it's it's massive to, uh, you know the Jeopardy this is this is huge like you could argue that this is the fight of the weekend in terms of the you know the overall meaning of it I think and it's very interesting yeah the, uh, the effect on the trajectory is yes. going to be huge either way right um, and, and you know more so more so certainly for Matt um, and that's what I mean like you know the whether you know Matt, Matt is a super confident guy super confident but the pressure's still there whether it's on, whether it's him putting it on himself whether it's the fans uh, you know the pressure is in, in essence still there so uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to step up and, and, and bring it like he always does and I just can't wait to see how the fight plays out. 100%. Uh, let's touch on one or two more fights. Will Curry against Wallace and Enrique. Always fun to see Will Curry in there. You know, he's a guy who's done exactly what we were talking about there. Bounce back from losses and come back. His opponent, Enrique, he reminds me a little bit of Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, very good athlete. Not an easy test at all. He's lovely leg kicks, lovely lead hook, nice jab as well. He's a guy who... I think is very good at controlling fights. Um, and for a guy like Will Curry, you know, who uh, I think his best attribute is his athleticism. He's just a big, strong fucker, you know, basically. But every, <laughs> That's the technical term, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll use that in USC Vibes on, uh, on Saturday. But, uh, you know, it feels like he's still kind of putting everything together. And if he does, once he does, maybe... God, there's the, the 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 sky is the limit for for Will Curry. It's it's fun watching guys like him as well. Now he's twelve fights into his career, but it almost feels like he needs another twelve fights to become like the the apex of what he's actually going to be. This is no easy test again, Brad. I know you know uh, Enrique is sixteen and thirty, not the best record in the world. But if you go and watch him, it's it's kind of clear what this fight is. This is another test for Will Curry. And if he can pass it, he'll go on. But there's no guarantee he'll pass it. And there's no guarantee. Look, anyone pass these tests. But Enrique, the only surefire thing here is I think Enrique will give him a test. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, the last thing Will wants to do is you know is is rush into another title fight, which you know maybe he could he could do if that's what he really wanted to do. But you don't want a second loss to the champion while you're still a young guy. You know, why not make the most of it? Why not take the time? Why not iron out all the kinks in your game? He's working with a great team. He's obviously training very closely with uh, Modestus, who fights this weekend. Uh, you know, they've got a fancy, fantastic relationship as, as friends and training partners. You know, he's training with the right people. He's around the right environment. Uh, and, and he is improving. You know, he looked fantastic last time. You know, he was a bit frustrated with how the fight went last time. You know, there was um, there was the, uh, the punch to the back of the head and his opponent sort of looking like he didn't want to continue. And, you know, I, I think the frustration is kind of like, crept through and I just get the feeling that Will's going to want to go in and make an example out of this guy like you know like you say he, he is a tough opponent he's got the ability to uh, you know to, to put it on Will's particularly on the feet um, but I think we're going to see Will tear into this guy and how that goes for him well time will tell but yeah it's a great test for Will and you know I think he comes through this one then maybe it's a fight um, early next year and then the title fight or maybe it's another title fight next year 100%. Uh, he's just one of those guys he's much watched TV, isn't he? You have to kind of tune in and see where it goes for him. Um, I want to ask you for your standout couple of fighters on the undercard, Brad. Just my one first, obviously a bit of Irish bias here, Sinead Nilulan. Um I was at one of our first amateur fights, I think, back in the day. I don't even think it's on her record. It's one of those ones. Maybe it was a Mai Tai fight or something like that. I, I don't know. It was down in Cork years ago. But... 
she's a fighter who had taken a lot of losses in her early amateur career and then won three in a row to kind of end it. I know she's, I think, I think she's living over in, over in the UK now as well and finding different places to train. Obviously, another SBG Ireland fighter on, on cage wires, which is always great to see. But, um, uh, you know, it's sometimes people need a lot of amateur fights they need a lot of amateur experience to go on and become a good pro and I'm very interested to see the early days of her career now she's been in there with the likes of Chanel Dyer who's you know one of the top prospects over the last while Carrie Ann Vernon and others as well and won her last as I said won her last three in a row and I'm very interested to see how uh, Sinead goes for um, uh, you know for the early days of her, uh, her pro career anyone else in the uh, on the undercard the, the, uh, any, any top prospects coming through Brad they want to let us know well, what we should be looking out for I'll agree with you about Sinead first you know, I, I called a couple of amateur fights uh, I called the fights at the Four Nations uh, which is when she fought Chanel um, and as you, like, I've been saying this to amateur fighters for 10-15 years nobody cares nobody cares about your record it does not matter if you lose 10 times if you lose 15 times as long as you're losing to good people and as long as you're learning from it and we saw that with Sinead right she finishes her amateur career with three in a row uh, Cage Warriors Academy amateur flyweight champion and all of a sudden you're making your pro debut and people actually care about it so yeah very much looking forward to uh, Sinead um, Riri Hudson another uh, Cage Warriors uh, two-weight Cage Warriors amateur champion uh, on the undercard, she's taken on Annalisa Labella. Um, and then we've got a fight between two uh, Cage Warriors Academy champions, Tarek Pell and Sean Fraser. Um, that's going to be fairly early on in the night. Uh, so if, if you're going to tune into the prelims on UFC Fight Pass, that would be my pick of uh, the one to set your clocks for. Brilliant stuff, Brad, as always. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm looking forward to this. It feels like it's always special in London as well. D- Dublin, London... You know, Rome, everywhere, especially. Let's be honest, but the, yeah. the London cards are, are very, very good. Yeah, we, we, we've got a good crowd coming for this one. Uh, there's still going to be uh, a small number of tickets left by the time this goes out next week. So if you fancy joining us, it, I mean, look, it's a huge night of MMA, right? Next Saturday night. Uh, we've got Tom Aspinall fighting for the heavyweight title in the UFC. Um, we've got the uh, the Alex Pereira. Um, help me out, Sean. Hold, help me uh, out. No, Who's he fighting? Uh, he's fighting Prochka. That's the one. That's the one. We are, is it, it, but massive. And obviously, for fans in this part of the world, Tom Aspinall uh, taking on Pavlovich for the UFC heavyweight, uh, the interim heavyweight title, rather, uh, is huge. So it's a big night of MMA. So look, get yourself down to the Indigo CageWarriors.com for your tickets. Uh, have a great night with us. Watch some crazy fights. And then get home in time to watch Tom Aspinall become the next heavyweight champion of the world. Good timing as well. Just sorry to buy all the Christmas presents and everything like that. One last blowout, and then we'll take it easy before we get the Christmas bread. Thank you very much. And, and look, are you even a friend <laughs> if you're not buying your friend Cage Warriors tickets? That's, that's all I'm saying. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Without a shout off it out. Thank you very much for joining me, Brad. Thank you to everybody for uh, listening, watching. Uh, if you want to watch Cage Wars, over on UFC Fight Pass all around the world. My name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com, and I'll see you all next time.